0: Hi listeners, Dr. Amy here with a brief intro to our show. Sandy Zamelis is my co-host this week, and we interviewed licensed therapist Ani Michalski about how to quiet our inner mean girl and take off our super supermom cape. Ani gives us so many tips that if we use them, our inner mean girl might be banished for good. Join us, and please ignore the part where I mispronounced Ani's last name. It's Michalski, not Michalski. I was in Florida, it was super hot, and maybe I was a little bit delirious. We're going to have a great conversation. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Brainy Moms, brought to you today by Learning RX Brain Training Centers. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Moore, here with my co-host, Sandy Zamalis. And we're spread out all over the country today. I am not in Colorado, I'm in Florida visiting my parents, where it's so hot, I don't understand how they can live in this. And I think Sandy's almost as hot in Virginia. Are you almost as hot in Virginia, Sandy?
1: Almost, not as not quite as bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Well, we're excited to bring you our guest today all the way from Montana, where it's probably not hot at all. It is. Oh, it is? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ani Mokowski. Ani is a licensed therapist, a mom of six, and a life and wellness coach for overscheduled, stressed out women who have lost themselves underneath their mom hat. She empowers moms to escape the do-it-all mentality and break through the limiting beliefs that are keeping them from becoming their best self. Her mission as the founder of, ready folks, Moms Without Capes, the Moms Without Capes movement is to help women slow down, recognize their worth, and find their way back to themselves. She's here today to talk to us about quieting our inner mean girl, and we all have one. So I'm excited to hear what to do about it.
1: Welcome, Ani.
2: Thanks, Sandy. It's awesome to be here.
1: So this is a topic we actually haven't covered on the show before. And as someone, like Amy said, uh, who battles regularly with that inner mean girl, don't we all? Um, I think this topic is really timely. So um, I'm excited. How did you get started on this mission to help moms?
2: So, well, first of all, it is 100 degrees here. We just don't have the humidity. <laughs> To jump in and say that. Wow, I'm shocked wow, that, that it's not hot yeah, in Montana. Wow, are we just having yeah. a heat wave all over the place right now? We must be on you know, that mm-hmm. global warming thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> right? Right, that thing. So, I started the Moms Without Capes, um, most well, because I myself struggled with taking off my cape and I was a people pleaser, I struggled with perfectionism, with lack of boundaries, with always um, putting everyone else above myself. And I was super mom, right? Like I was involved in everything on the in the community, volunteering all over the place, doing, you know, I can't say that I did created Pinterest worthy things because I tried, but they just never turned out quite as well. But like, you know, just what you think of when you think of a super mom trying to do all of the things and it was exhausting. I felt so guilty about even wanting to do anything for myself. I lost myself under my mom hat. And after a lot of, you know, A lot of work and a lot of realizing that life does not have to be this way, that motherhood does not have to be as miserable as I was making it. And I was allowed to let go of some of that control and let go of some of those, let go of my cape, really. Um, And life got so much better. And so now I take my own background as a therapist, as a mom, as an educator, and I wrap it all up and I help other moms through moms without capes, let go of their cape or hang up their cape so that they can get comfortable with, with being a good mom, like redefining what it means to be a good mom and getting being able to be fully present with your family and with your kids. So that is how the Moms Without Capes came to be. As I started, um, you know, I just had wanted to start a business and I wanted a way to to help women. Eventually, it evolved into helping moms do what I struggled with myself and using all of my skills and experience to be able to help them do that. So that was how Moms Without Capes was born.
0: I love that mission. Um, and... I want to talk about what to do about it, but um, where do we get the idea that we have to be super moms? Where does that
2: come from? So it comes, you know, from society, right? Like it's pushed down, like the hustle culture goes right towards, you know, we constantly see... Social media perpetuates it. Let me just, I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there because we see we're comparing our lives to the highlight reels of others. And we're seeing all of the, what everyone else is doing. We're constantly stuck in that compare game. And we're going to get into that in a bit, like through this episode when we talk about the inner mean girl. But society, has these expectations of us. And then we internalize those expectations and we feel that we need to keep up and we need to, um, it goes back to the beliefs, right? And my background is cognitive behavioral therapy and it's a lot on you know our thoughts and our emotions and our actions stem from the beliefs that we hold. And many times we fall into the super mom persona because we have this belief that we are not enough. And that belief causes us to do more and to put more things on our to-do list and to volunteer more places and to completely and constantly try to compensate for our belief that we are not enough. And so what many of my programs do, they, they start restructuring that belief. And helping moms restructure and, and recognize that they are important, that they matter, that they are worthy of prioritizing. And when you start shifting that underlying belief, then you get comfortable with hanging up your cape. Learn, you get comfortable with being able to relax and rest and not always have to have so much control over everything. That's a huge thing is that need to, to be in control. And it also gets reinforced. That belief we you're not enough is constantly getting reinforced. And we have that, um, that confirmation bias, right? Like we're, we're always looking for things that reinforce our beliefs. And so I help moms kind of look outside the box, right? And reframe and start seeing what it is that, you know, you are important, and so what are some of those things that are going on in your life that reinforce that new belief? And we start gravitating towards that and pulling that as the evidence that we need to start believing that we are enough, that we do matter and that we are worthy of prioritizing.
1: So when you started this journey for yourself, was it baby steps in this more healthy direction or did you have like a big,
2: like, oh, ah, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> that kind of started you going in this direction?
2: I, do you mean like as part as like for my business, like how I help people? Well, well, it always starts with our own personal. Work, yeah, for right? sure.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you know, becoming more aware of your own um, battle that you kind of highlighted yes. here. Um, wh- what kind of got you going in this direction? Was it, the you know, just sort of snowballed into what you do now? Or was there a big, you know, uh-huh. moment where you realized I need to make some changes?
2: So it started with a Zumba class. Oh, I love that. In 2011, I wanted to go to this class. Like one of my friends was teaching this class, and another friend kept saying, Let's go try it. Let's go try it. And at the time, I was, aside from like volunteering all over town and like doing all these things, I was also homeschooling my kids because I thought, Why not? Right? Like I can do this. And so I. Every time she asked me, I had an excuse. I was like, no, you know, I've got to make sure dinner's prepared. I've got to get the house cleaned. I've got to make sure all my kids are taken care of, that my husband's like feeling good. Like all of these excuses that were running through my mind that I was blurting them out, telling her like day after day. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, I really want to go to this class but i felt such shame and guilt about even wanting to do something just for myself that didn't involve my kids because a lot of my volunteer jobs did involve my kids like i was the mom i was the president of the friends of the pool because my kids used the pool i was a girl scout leader because my kids were girl scouts right like everything involved my my family and so to do something like zumba that was not anything to do with my kids i felt a lot of guilt about and so one night i like to say all the stars lined up and th- the dinner was in the crock pot. Like my, fu- my husband was like, what? Like the kids were all sitting there quietly. They were probably, I don't even know what they were doing, but it didn't matter. Like everything lined up and I went. And that was what I mean when I say like, I just started to gather that evidence, like, the world was not going to fall apart. The world was like, in my mind, the world was going to fall apart and and nobody can do a job as good as me and all of these things that were coming up in my mind. But when I allowed myself, when I took action against that belief, I started to see that those excuses were not viable, that, that it wasn't true. Things did not have to be perfect for me to step away and do something that I enjoy, like that I was allowed to do things that I enjoy. And it had been when I say 2011, my young, my, our oldest was 11 years old. So for 11 years before that I had lost myself. Like I had boxed myself in so much that I felt way too much guilt to even stop, like to even step out. And I didn't even know what it was that I even liked to do. Like I was I didn't know, I actually did a, a live this morning all about like our favorite things, like recognizing and learning to express what it is that you like. Because as a people pleaser, you're so busy making sure everybody else is taken care of and you are you know you know what everybody else likes and doesn't like. But you yourself, if you do that long enough, you forget what it is that you even like. And so it was the Zumba class that I, I was able to go. And eventually I became... <laughs> So that led into a huge, This that basically led into what I'm doing today because I um, became an instructor, something that was way outside my comfort zone. I never saw myself as like an aerobics teacher at all. And I remember coming home and being like, hey, they need a sub for this, like a, like a month or two after I started, they need a sub. Like they were asking to get a sub, like for a class. Do you think this is something I could do? My husband's like, go for it. And I was like, what? Like, Really? And he's like, yeah, go for it. Like he believed in me before I could even like, I believed in myself and I went and did it. And then that led to me getting certified as a health coach. And then, and I got licensed as a therapist. I went back to work um, and got, you know, we need all those hours for certify for licensure. So I went back in 2017, got licensed, got, you know, all of the things that you have to do. And then In 2019, I was like, I'm going to start a business. And then I ended up starting two businesses, a counseling practice and a coaching practice. And so that was when I thought back into my journey, like what's part of my story? And I'm like, I know the more conversations I have with other moms, the more I realized that I was not alone, that so many moms struggle with. You know, the guilt and the shame and the thinking everything has to, like the perfectionism and the people pleasing. And like all the things that I help moms with now are all the things that I started noticing, like, I'm not alone here. And that's important, realizing that you're not alone. Absolutely. There's something beautiful about support groups, right? Because yes. you're
0: like, wait a minute, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's so, so I want to hear about this inner mean girl. So yeah. who who is she?
2: Okay, so the inner mean girl is all of the self-doubts and the unrealistic expectations and the inner criticism that basically your negative thoughts, the thoughts that are stemming from that belief that you're not enough. the, The beliefs that are leading you to be the super mom and she can be loud. And she can also be debilitating. Like she can stop you from taking action towards living a better life or towards your goals or, or keep you from trying the Zumba class, right? <laughs> like whatever it is in your case, you know, she can stop you. She's got, she's powerful. And so through various strategies that we'll get into in this episode, you can learn how to quiet her. And to talk back to her and to put her in her place, because that's what needs to happen in order for you to take action and and start collecting that evidence that's going to just make her like take more and more power from her. Yeah. Well, where does she come from? Well, she comes from, she comes from those beliefs. She comes from, and the beliefs, of course, come from experiences that you've had, things that you've witnessed, events that you've been part of, or even just witnessed growing up, traumatic or not. Right. Like, like you said, we all have an inner mean girl. She's our inner critic. And you know, that expression, like you are your own worst critic. We tend to look through our, like, look at ourselves through this sub- like subjective lens and we are, we can be very mean. We can be very mean. And, you know, I, I turn the point like the inner mean girl, I think of Regina George from mean girls, <laughs> like right. Like we can be so harsh and negative, and there's so much research about positive reinforcement and building somebody up with kindness and compassion. And so, when we're always downing ourselves and always downing ourselves, we're not giving ourselves that room to grow. And so, it starts from within. It starts from within. So, no matter what your experience is, whatever you know, it's important to learn how to first identify what it is that she's saying, and then start challenging that. Because that's the only way that you're going to get her out of her way, get her out of your way and start moving forward. Do you feel like, like some of
1: it I think comes from our childhood, right? Our, yes. our So our five-year-old brain perceives <laughs> something and doesn't understand what's happening around like words that were said or, um, we you know, process. whatever your per, yeah perception is of that. And that just continues. Um, I was, I loved your story about your husband encouraging you, um, but it's, it's even little things like that. Like even recently. Um, so I have to get up early for work. My husband has to get up early for work, but I'm a little bit earlier, but weirdly somehow along the way, it got wired that my husband should get the bathroom first. And like in my head, I don't, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> and I even said like, I, you know, I, I was running late and I was like, well, I was waiting for you. And he's like, but I never asked you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're right. not worthy well, to have the bathroom from? first, Sandy. I know. Where did that come from? I mean, but part of that was from you know wiring probably when I was a stay-at-home mom, right? Like he worked for a living, so I allowed him to have the bathroom first, and I have not unraveled yeah. that that right, thought right. process. Um, and so I feel like adult work is always unraveling all of these thought processes. That uh, who knows where the seed started. <laughs>
2: Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know what, the fact that you were aware of that, that is one of the key things in quieting the inner me is to become aware of what are the patterns that are, that, that you're, that are happening in your life. And if you just kept going, like you would just go through like that, like not even stopping to pause, like pausing to reflect on where did, you know, where did that come from? Is that even true anymore? Like, do I have to wait for him? <laughs> Sure. It's like yeah. that
1: series of, you know, as a mom, sometimes our, we feel our job is just to make everyone's life easier, yes. <laughs> but right. not necessarily we you that you our to do that. own. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't know. And I'm pre-social media. So like, you know, I mm-hmm. think I, we got that message even before we had it inundating our lives everywhere all the time. Um, right. Cleaning your house before your friends came over. <laughs>
2: right. right. <laughs> so they yeah, trying see to break What life. a disaster your dining room table really looks like, you know? <laughs> I just saw a reel recently and they were like, what do you, um, like how you think your friends are going to react if they see your dirty house. And like, it was just really funny going through because yeah. Why do we think that our friends are coming over to see our house, our clean dining room table? Like they're not. And so that's one of the things like switching it around and saying, what, it, you know, does this really matter? Start taking the time to reflect on it and asking yourself, like challenging those thoughts that you're having saying, does this really matter? Seeing it from a different perspective.
0: I'll tell you what changed my, so I grew up with a mom who would not let me have friends over unless my room was spotless mm-hmm. um, because her mother was the same way. Right. Generation. And um, yeah, my mom's 80 years old and she's still, you can white glove treatment her house. Right. So yeah. Um, and I was the same way. I was terrified that somebody would show up at my front door and my house hadn't, I hadn't scrubbed the baseboards that week. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, until I i stopped by a friend's house. She was very wealthy and had just built, they had just built this brand new sprawling mansion. And right, I was so excited to go over and see it. And so you drive up and it's just immaculate and you walk in the door and she's got a laundry basket on the uh, living room floor with laundry everywhere, toys everywhere, dishes in the sink. And I thought, she's a real person. Yes. Like not only does she live in this, you know, $4 million immaculate mansion, but she's a real person with like junk everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And like, I had this complete paradigm shift in that moment that, right does your house have to be perfect before somebody st- stops by? You know, it was just, anyway, I thanked yeah. her. Right. That's what the things. Of,
2: yeah. It's a breath of fresh air when you yes. kind of find those people. It's relatable and it helps you redefine your definition of what makes a good mom because or like what makes a good human even yeah. say in that case, like, you know, you can still look at that and it gives you that, that reality check. And it also is, you know, just because our house, just because she had laundry baskets of unfolded clothes doesn't have any impact on her worthiness as a person. Oh, it and made me like her even more. Yes, it yeah. deepened our relationship. And so many times we have these thoughts about ourselves that what we do or what we don't do is tied to our worthiness, right? It's impacting our worthiness. And so detaching yourself from those tasks, because when you're constantly trying to keep up, when you're trying to make sure all the laundry is folded and make sure, you know, meals, my big thing was I had to have like my meals had to be a complete meal every single time the (laughs) (laughs) vegetable because that was my mom growing up. Right. Like I always knew like you had to have the food groups or anything and like detaching yourself, like whether my, my kids eat cereal or they eat, you know, I do try to choose the nutritious food and like create that for them. But if I don't, that doesn't make me a bad mom. Like really just making that detachment from what you're doing or what you're trying to do. To your worth as a person, like it's totally separate and it shouldn't. And when you start ta- attaching your worthiness to what you do, that's when that's when trouble comes up and that's when you get stuck.
1: <laughs> so you call this approvalitis, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you have some strategies. How do you combat this people pleasing tendency that we have?
2: So the people pleasing tendency, the first step is that awareness, right? Like seeing what patterns are existing. What are you doing? What are you doing that is perpetuating that people pleasing? Um, asking asking yourself, you know, if it's true, what's, you know, if, if you don't, is it your job to make everybody happy? Right. And, start doing that work, like start really reflecting whether you do it through journaling or seeing a therapist or just talking to a friend, start putting words to your feelings and start recognizing that your feelings are valid. And of course that's easier said than done, but the more you do it, the more you will start seeing that shift, the more you'll be able to separate yourself and stop the people pleasing behavior and learn how, what healthy boundaries look like. That's huge. We, you know, the styles of communication, I can go on and on about all of this because I'm so passionate about it because I, I experienced it for myself. And I see so many moms stuck in these poor boundaries where they struggle to be assertive. And so they lean back onto the passivity side and then they feel resentment. I felt resentment for so many years, you know, just not being able to assert my own I still struggle with it. I'll be honest. I still struggle with it. But at this point, I am aware of it and I can catch it much sooner. And so I said, like, even the inner mean girl, like we all have it, like even the work that we, that I've done. And, you know, now I'm like a huge obvious, like you need to quiet this, you need to like get past these negative thoughts, but it's not that I don't struggle anymore, but I'm aware of it. And I catch it a lot sooner and I can redirect and reframe my thoughts to be, you know, to cheer myself on rather than to keep myself stuck. And so with the people pleasing like it really does just mean making that space to reflect on like what's going on why is it not serving you anymore and what changes need to be made in order to to serve your own needs and wants because you are as important as all of those people that you're serving your family you know your kids and i see moms that like Their kids are wearing, I'm just going to say Nike Air Forces because right now my 12-year-old wants Nike Air Forces and like the mom themselves are like wearing like kids from high school, right? Like you need to be sure. I'm not saying like not to, not to take care of your family. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying when you start prioritizing yourself and start taking care of yourself and put some focus on yourself, you are doing even more of a service to your children, like to your family, they need you to be your best self. And when you're neglecting yourself and you are putting yourself below everybody else, you're just falling more and more deeper, like far, more and more, like you're, you're becoming less than your best self and your kids really need you to be your best self.
1: In one of your podcasts, you had some really practical Changes to make for people pleasers, and there were five of them, and I'll go through them just to spark because yeah, I don't have my notes. Yes, oh, <laughs> I'll spark your memory, um, and then you can talk about whichever ones you want to talk about. But I wrote them down. I thought they were great. One was over apologizing or over explaining. Stopping that, that behavior. Um, you mentioned stop trying to get others to agree with you, um, which I am. I totally do that. Um, stop making diminishing statements, um, which really got me thinking, um, how often do I belittle or diminish what I'm saying? Um, don't advertise your mistakes.
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the fifth one was learn to trust your own judgment. Um, so, you know, pick whichever one that you want to, but I just thought those were all really practical changes that you could make to kind of rewrite um, your brain and this people pleasing tendency.
2: Yeah, so let's go with the over explaining, over explaining because I I hear this a lot. Like, I'm sorry I'm late, and then they go on and on about you know all of all of the reasons. Like, so let's just let's just go back and and I don't do this much, but let's compare that to how a man would do it. I don't want to do man fashion here, but just to help you realize like how different, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm late versus how a woman would say it versus how a man would say it. And men don't feel that need to, you know, most, most people pleasers are women. Right. And so a man wouldn't offer a 10 minute explanation about why they relate and apologize and feel like you're putting that other person out. Because that's really what it is. When you're doing that long explanation, you are feeling, you're trying to protect the other person's feelings and help yourself like that, that fear of judgment, right? All of those fears come into play. And so you're offering this really long explanation, whereas a man would just be like, hey, you know, I'm going to be late. And, like, leave it at that. And everybody's okay with that. <laughs> like, and everybody would be okay with with you, as like, with a woman as well, to say, you know, I'm going to be late. Like, you don't need to over explain why you're going to be late or what happened or what. I mean, I, I do it. I am late more often than I'd like to be. My mom was always late growing up. <laughs> was and when I was like when I grow up I'm never going to be late for anything like because I knew how it felt but I just find myself like when you're trying to get heard you know right now I have four kids or actually I have five kids at home because our 18 year old just moved back home so they always come back listeners yeah (laughs) well mine aren't bringing me coffee like yours are
0: well this one's only 17
2: he hasn't left yet got you yeah okay so when um So when I'm trying to herd all of these kids out, chances are I'm going to be late. Like there's just a lot of things going on and I can't control, you know, if my kid can't find, if my eight-year-old can't find her shoe or like these different things that are happening that are making me late. Well, I could approach the other person and start protecting their feelings like that. They had, you know, I'm so sorry I'm late and give them like 10 different reasons that are truthful reasons why i was late but the truth of it is is like i should have just planned for that you know i should have to be on time like that was my own fault so instead of taking responsibility for for my mis- like for what i did i end up just working like the whole time focusing on protecting their feelings and and not being judged by them and so it it gives you back when you stop people pleasing when you do some of these techniques it starts giving your power back to you instead of constantly like working on like taking care of everyone else, which is the people pleaser, you know, making sure that everybody else is happy. And a lot of it is like the codependency thinking you're responsible for everybody else's feelings. It's up to them if they want to forgive you or just say, Hey, I'm glad you're here. That's on them. It's not your job. to. <laughs> right. To let's, let's sit in that space for a couple minutes
0: because I know that, especially as moms, we want everyone to be happy. And so, mm-hmm. how do you how do you uh, differentiate between making someone being considerate and compromising because you want to be considerate of everyone's wishes and not tipping over the other side of the fence into, feeling responsible for making everyone happy like how where do you draw that line like because you don't want to be mean and be like well I don't care what y'all want this is what I want right (laughs) I mean we still care and we're willing to compromise right so what does that look like
2: yeah so I mean one, did you have to realize you can't make everyone happy and I guess maybe that has to do like because I have such like so many kids like I, I think Amy, how many, don't you, one of you has like nine kids, don't you? Terry or that yeah. Terry? No, Terry does, yeah. okay. I remember reading that. And I was like, wow. Yeah. But like when you have that many kids, like you, you quickly realize that you can't make everyone happy. There's always going to be somebody miserable. There's always going to be somebody crying in the family photos. Like it's just hard. The more people you have, the harder it is to keep everyone happy. And so it is, there is that line. You're absolutely right. Like there's this line where you're like, you know, how much of this can you take How much of this is, are you going to give, give, give? And so one of the whole premises of like the moms of that case is, you know, you don't have to give everything. You do not have to give everything there. You can preserve pieces of yourself, big pieces of yourself that, and there's so many moms that get stuck in that sacrifice mentality where they give it all. And then they feel that resentment and that anger and the shame and all of these these negative feelings. And I'm not saying you're never going to feel these negative feelings. It's completely natural. We're human, but start learning how to process through those feelings so that you feel them less or that you are able to get through them quicker or, you know, that you can learn from those feelings. And so there is a definite line that you really, it's learning those healthier boundaries, learning how to, Assert your needs. Well, even before that, knowing what it is that you do need and then asserting your needs and then teaching your children like to respect those needs, you know, and that's where like there's, you know, there's lots of experts that will show you how to how to teach children how that respected all of that. Right. So I'm not even going to go there, but it is really just getting back in touch with what it is that you need, asking yourself that, and then learning how to express those needs to communicate them. And in a way that isn't pushing their boundaries, because you're teaching others how to respect your boundaries, but you're also, you know, it's the whole base of relationships.
1: How do you help guide moms to figure out those needs and wants? Because if you've been pushing them aside for 11 years, right?
2: Right.
1: (laughs) How do you you, like dig them out and rediscover them? Um,
2: So a main part of, so I have a Facebook group, Moms Without Capes. And so a lot of my work happens in there where I do, um, I do a journal reflection every month. Like it it focuses, or every week, I mean, it focuses on um, like self-discovery, and getting back in touch with what it is that you'd like, what what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what do you, how do, you, what are your dreams? Giving moms that permission to dream is huge because so many moms are like, "When my kids are eighteen, then I'll start living." Right? Like they have like this whole like bucket list of things that are going to happen once they feel like they're able to. But then giving them that permission, like you can do some of these things. Right now, like my my audience is moms with school age kids, and for so long, like I always wanted to take a momcation, like that sounded like the dream for me. And I, you know, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till my kids get older so that I can just go take a vacation, right? So when I started doing this work, I'm like, I've got to practice what I preach and do this extreme thing, like this big dream that I've always dreamed of like going to a vacation by myself. Cause it was totally out of my comfort zone. Like, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'd have to like eat at a restaurant by myself. Like do these things that like, I never would like, I just wasn't comfortable with, but like, it was like in the back of my mind, like, oh, I just want to try it. And so I started last year was my first annual and I did one this year too. And really just making that space to rediscover yourself and get back in touch with who you are without your mom hat. Like, not that I wasn't a mom when I was there. I still had my kids calling and like, you know, where's the so-and-so, like, where's the such-and-such? Like, I still was the mom, but I was able to remove myself enough to be like, okay, well, what do I want to eat today? Like, what what do I want to do today? Whereas when you are bombarded with like the everyday demands of being a mom, it's, you know, and you're not giving yourself that space, whether it be five minutes in the morning, waking up five minutes early or like 10 minutes during like their nap time and just sitting down and like turning the attention towards yourself and be like, okay, well, what do I like? Like, what, what am I dreaming of? What are some of the goals that are like the dreams in my heart? Or, you know, just making that space to be able to to, to examine yourself and to reflect on your own life. We need that. It's so important. And so it's that's funny. how through the journaling, through the um, relationships, the connections with other moms, like these are the ways that you are going to learn more and get just giving yourself that space is going to allow you to learn more about yourself and that self-discovery piece. So
0: I what I'm hearing you say is you don't have to do a momcation to, <laughs> to get back in touch with your, your interests. That you can just, you can spend... A few minutes in the morning or in the evening, journaling yes. and reflecting. And right. we did an entire episode on momcations. Oh, did you? <laughs> and Terry and I got in this huge argument in the middle of the show. I to listen to it. <laughs> she calls them mommy sabbaticals. Yeah, yeah. big proponent yeah. of them. And I'm like, I if I'm going to spend a week away from my kids, it's going to be a romantic getaway with my husband. I'm not going to go eat alone and like. <laughs> be alone I'd be bored out of my skull and it was hysterical you should go back and listen to it we fought
2: through the whole thing that's funny because the yeah, kind of my husband made husband. cry but <laughs> my husband's like I don't understand I don't understand my sister-in-law thought I was having an affair on him like she's like I'm like no I'm like this is just something she's like people just don't do this my mom thought I was having like a midlife crisis I'm like no I'm like I swear people do this and so I had to google it and that's where I came out like I was like oh wait it's a thing it's called a momcation <laughs> actually a thing <laughs> but yeah it's not for everyone and it's definitely extreme like just you can spend a few, like a few minutes each day you know just making sure that you're consistent with it and being intentional about making that space for yourself and not just filling your time you know with super mom activities doing everything for everybody else and not turning that attention to yourself
1: See, my inner mean
2: girl, I think, would say it was selfish, right? Yes, that's
1: yeah, that's exactly what yeah. of those excuses. It's yeah, of those excuses. Give I, I think I would need to give myself some grace on that, right? Yeah, right. so um Because it would it would feel selfish to you know mm. take fine you know finances and time like you know yes I, I I get to do it now, but when my kids were younger, I'm I'm would never it have occurred to me.
2: Right. Right. And that's know, part of restructuring and shifting yeah. the beliefs, the beliefs about what makes a good mom, you know, yes. and what your beliefs about self-care, because there's so much hoopla about self-care now. And like, you know, everyone's like, it's not selfish anymore. Like you have to focus on yourself in order to be your best self. And like, there's a lot of, there. it's almost like they're removing the stigma around self-care that for so long kept us from, turning the attention towards ourselves, from from putting yourself further up on your to-do list because of that stigma. And so yeah, that selfish belief, that's huge. Yeah.
0: So can we go back then to specific strategies for shutting up our main girl?
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So the first one is the awareness. Asking yourself, how am I feeling? And this is where you start, you know, and we tend to gravitate towards just a handful of feeling words. You know, I feel happy, I feel sad, I feel angry. And so I suggest downloading, just Googling a list of feeling words, just like you would have probably in a creative writing class. And naming your feelings is so powerful. So going back and just saying, you know, making, whether you set an alarm on your phone or you have certain times of the day that you just check in with yourself and ask yourself, how am I feeling? You know, you might be feeling frustrated or um, bored, curious, right? There's a lot of other words that you probably aren't using every day to describe how you're feeling and then asking yourself, what thought did I have that would have led me to feel this way? And so you want to, if it comes out as a question, if that thought comes out of the question, like, why did I do that? Right. You know, that, that berating, you know, you're berating yourself. I want you to turn that around and answer that question because that's the that's the that's the statement that your inner mean girl is crying out and making you feel the way that you're feeling. So it starts with identifying how you're feeling and then working backwards to see what is that thought that's leading me to feel that way. Can you give our listeners an example? Sure. So, give me a second, let me think. Yeah. <laughs> So if you are, um, okay, let's say I'm trying to think of a time that, that say, okay, yesterday I was, um, you know, typical mom being pulled in a million different directions. I was working on, I'm writing an article. So I was writing, I was working on the article and my eight-year-old was, sitting outside my office door with the office door open. She found a keyboard and she wanted to write a song. And so she's practicing the song and I'm trying to focus on the, on my article. And she is constantly interrupting me. Like I'm interrupting my thoughts, like trying to focus on this. And she is asking me to spell words for the song that she's writing down so she could play it for the keyboard. And I felt um, I felt frustrated at that point. Like I felt annoyed. I felt frustrated. And so when I was feeling, so that was the first thing, like, okay, what what am I feeling? What's going on here? What's the situation? And what is this creating in me? What feelings are I feeling? I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling pulled in a million different different directions, distracted. And so what were those thoughts that were going through my mind? Like, I just want to get this done. Why is she interrupting? You know, she's interrupting me because I'm, not giving her the attention that i need. Why am i not giving her the attention? Because i'm trying to get this done. My business, you know, at this point i'm prioritizing my business over my kids. And it could have went down like a whole stream like, you know, i'm a bad mom because i want to build this business and i've got to do what i got to do and my kids need me and this is never going to work, right? Like those are the thoughts that the mean girl inside would be saying, right? So at that point i want to start looking for evidence for and against. You know, what evidence supports those thoughts. Is there anything like? I mean, clearly, I am choosing my at that point my business over teaching her how to spell the words that she wanted to in her song, giving her the attention that she needs, and which translates to the love that she is craving. You know, the attention that she's craving, and so all of this is evidence for like that's that supports those mean girl words. And what is the evidence against? You know. I'm not a bad mom. Again, that comes to like that detaching. Just because at this moment I'm feeling pulled in a million different different directions does not make me a bad mom. I am doing this so that I can provide for my family. You know, I'm I'm building this. I'm writing this article to to further my business so that I can make the money to take my I actually have a whole list yesterday my I was braiding my my daughter another daughter's hair and she was looking at my office thing I have a whole list of like what I'm going to do when my business makes it right <laughs> like, so i got a, board,
1: right? like, you got a vision like, board
2: <laughs> yeah a vision board, like a bucket list of like you know take the kids on a cruise we want to buy a pool. Like I want to buy a beach house. We talked before we hit the recording about me being landlocked here, but like different things that are definitely going to benefit them directly benefit them from my business. And so all of these, this evidence that goes against those mean girl thoughts, are going to be things that I need to, I need to recognize. I need to take stock of. Because as you move and you start shifting your beliefs, we have that, that, that bias again, that we tend to focus on the things that reinforce our old belief. And so you want to start saying like, well, what is the thought that I could have had that would have reinforced, you know, that belief that I am a good mom, that I am doing what, you know, that what I was doing at that moment does not make me a bad mom, does not make that, does not mean that I don't love my daughter, you know, all of those thoughts, you know, what are negating, what evidence negates what the mean girl is saying. It might mean that I shift my perspective and see like, what what would a friend do in this situation? Like, or what would I tell a friend? Who was in that situation? Like if I had a friend who was doing a business, she was writing an article and her kids were interrupting and she felt like horrible about herself. What are some of the things that I would say to her? Cause I, I guarantee I wouldn't be saying you're a horrible mom. Like you need to stop what you're doing and pay attention to your kids. Like, you know, you just don't, <laughs> you just want not say that to a friend, but yet you turn around and you say it to yourself. And so taking yourself out of the situation and asking yourself, what would you say to a friend that is in that situation can give you a different perspective. Um, Also asking yourself, you know, if it's true, what's the worst that could happen? Is it realistic? Um, And in this situation, I'm trying to think of how I would reply uh, or apply that. Um, But just like asking yourself, like, if I'm a bad, if I'm a bad mom, I'm just going to go back to that. If I'm a bad mom, you know, is what's 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 the worst that can happen? Well, there's a lot of bad things that can happen. So that's yeah, all that,
0: I'm like,
2: maybe this stuff does not apply. Well, to No, the like if I
0: make my daughter wait an hour until I'm finished writing this article, what is the worst that can happen?
2: There you go. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly. yeah. I'm a CBT yeah. fan too. So yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so just you know, giving yourself that space to to reflect on what are other scenarios or what's the worst case scenario, what's the best case scenario, right? And that goes back to teaching your kids about boundaries by giving by telling your kids, and that's ultimately actually what did happen. I did say, you know, let me just finish this. Give me 30 minutes, and then I will be happy to listen to your, to your music and your song, and I will help you spell every word. And I did, but like I had to be clear about my boundary. And that gets back to asking myself, like, well, what do I need in this moment? I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling annoyed and distracted. What do I need in order to change that way I feel? And then how can I convey that to her? And that's a huge thing. And that's teaching her, you know, that mom's mom needs her space as well. And that I don't have to be in her face 24-7, right? Like it's modeling how to communicate
1: that, right? Modeling yes. for her how you communicate. Right. Right.
0: right. right. Well, and it, it models, I mean, it teaches her patience, right? You I yes. mean, there's an instant gratification issue with our kids, right? They want right. their answer and they want their answer right this second. Right. And right. so it's teaching her to value your boundaries.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, and instead, like if I was to follow that route, like the, that the inner mean girl was like pushing me to follow, like all of those thoughts, those critical thoughts, you know, my actions would have been completely different. I wouldn't have been able to be calm. I wouldn't have been able to be rational. And instead, I I mean, I likely would have yelled. I would have been like just enough and like freaked out or like shut my computer and like been angry and, acted out of that anger rather than being able to get to it, come to it from a calmer place and a more rational place. So you definitely, once you start reframing the thoughts, then you're able to, your actions are able to follow suit in a more rational way.
0: Or you would have denied your own needs, right? You would have said, well, I'm not going to be able to do my article today because clearly my daughter can't wait for me to spell these words for her. Yes. And, and the world will fall death. apart if she has right. to wait. Right. 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 Because that's what we do. Right. The mom right. guilt kicks in the inner mean girl, girl kicks in and we deny our own needs.
2: Yeah. yep, And, and, and responsibilities. That's your job. Yes. And I believe, you know, if I believed like that, that, that was selfish. To do that again, one of those, like the world's going to fall apart. It's self-care is selfish. Like that was a way to say, like, you know, that's not selfish. I'm protecting my boundaries. I'm I'm communicating my boundaries in a clearer way, in a way that it makes us both, you know, it made us feel both good. Like she felt like, okay, mom's going to pay attention to me, but it's important that she gets this done. So, so the world didn't fall apart for her. No, no, it didn't. It didn't. Um, For this situation (laughs) might fall apart in a different situation, but for this one, we're good. And then um, getting it, getting it out, like saying it aloud, telling someone, writing it down, right? Like what reflecting back on that. um, I have a, I actually have a, a log, like a um, thought log that I'm going to give your listeners that will help them kind of create order to all of these steps. It's going to help them, you know, identify their thoughts and their feelings and the situation, and then help them treat, like, reframe what the inner mean girl is saying to something more compassionate towards themselves. So, I'll give you the link to that. But just making space, like, giving yourself that time to write this down because you're going to notice these are all based on your beliefs, remember? So, once you start you're going to notice the same patterns or the same themes come up again. So once you take the time to, whether you write it down, whether you talk to somebody about it or say, even saying it out loud and putting words to what's going on in your mind, you're going to start seeing that it happens more and more in the moment. Because, you know, it's a process. It's it's going to take time for you to start replacing what the inner mean girl is saying because for so long she you've given her so much power and let her like kind of run your life. And so as you start doing it, it's a process like you might have to think back like what happened today that made me feel, you know, that I could have did better or what what made me feel, you know, not my like my best self today? And then what was going on at that moment? What was I feeling? What thoughts led me to that? You know, and then go through those steps. Like, what's the evidence for and against? What, you know, is there a different way of looking at this? If it was true, what's the worst that could happen? You know, and work through that process, and then make sure you're reflecting on that. So the next time that comes up, and she, you, she, you know, the mean girl wants to say things. There's thought. Those negative thoughts come back to light. You will be ready. You will be ready to reframe that much quicker and and redirect her.
1: Do you recommend this to be like a daily practice initially? Because you're practicing a skill, right? Absolutely. Um, And in order to be able to use the skill, it has to be automatic when you need it. So um, we're doing it as a daily practice of, all right, why did I, you know, (laughs) why did I do XYZ yesterday and um, think through that process each day, maybe out of the moment? Yes. Um, And then practice it as you go forward. And, you know, it, when you find yourself in those moments, um, it, it'll come more, uh, it'll feel more like it's a part of the process to you.
2: Sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, you would do it, you know, daily would be optimal, you know, like it would be ideal if you were to sit down at night and like reflect on your day behind, because, because as moms like we all, oh, there's so much going on and we have so many things that are running through our mind, the mom brain and like trying to remember different doctor's appointments and who needs to be where, when, and like, or yeah, who needs to be where, when, and like all of these things. And so, if you can just take five, 10 minutes, like the thought log that I'm going to give you, you just print that out or just do it in a journal. It's real simple. And just make that five, 10 minutes just to reflect back on your day. And even if you just do one situation a day that led you to feel like some negative emotions and just try to you know fill out that chart so that you get a clearer picture of what was going on and how you could have done that different how you could have thought differently about that situation because it's not the situation itself that's creating those feelings for you it's those beliefs that you hold and the thoughts that you're having about that situation is what's leading to those emotions that you're feeling and so you really want to just make that time for yourself to be able to reflect on that and start challenging and quieting that inner mean girl great great advice So
0: um, we're going to take a break and let Sandy read a word from our sponsor, LearningRx. And when we come back, um, we want you to tell our listeners how they can uh, work with you and find out more about your work.
1: Are you concerned about your child's reading or spelling performance? Are you worried your child's reading curriculum isn't thorough enough? Well, most learning struggles aren't the results of poor curriculum or instruction. They're typically caused by having cognitive skills that need to be strengthened. Skills like auditory processing, memory and processing speed. LearningRx one-on-one brain training and structured literacy programs are designed to target and strengthen the skills that we rely on for reading, spelling, writing and learning. LearningRx can help you identify which skills may be keeping your child from performing their best. The LearningRx team would like to help you get your child on the path to a brighter and more confident future. Join the growing list of more than 100,000 children and adults trained at LearningRx. Give LearningRx a call at 866-BRAIN-01 or visit LearningRx.com. That's
0: LearningRx.com. And we're back talking to therapist and life coach Ani Malkowski about quieting our inner mean girl. So Ani, talk to our, first of all, I love your name. It's just so unique. Um it made me smile. That's why I had to stop and say that. Uh, tell our listeners um, about your Facebook community and how they can get connected with you. Sure. So, well,
2: first of all, you're listening to this on podcast. So I also have a podcast, Moms That Keeps. And my Facebook group is the same name as well, Moms Without Capes. And it's just a fun group. We've got lots of different events. I already mentioned I do a journal prompt every month, every week, I keep saying month. Every week we do, I do some self care tips, Facebook Lives, um, all things that are meant to help you discover yourself, care for yourself, and love yourself. So coming up in September, depending on when you're listening to this, I do do this event a few times through the year. We're doing a fun five day self care channel. Challenge, where I will walk you through the various five pillars of self-care and you will learn what it is that fills your cup and how to make time for it. So I invite you to come join us.
1: That sounds I love your
2: podcast
1: because it's short. Um, I think when I was going through them and listening to them they were all just like under 15 minutes which is awesome yes. So for busy moms it's a quick easy little listen with very practical tips. Awesome.
0: So, Ani, is there anything that you haven't gotten to say today to our listeners that you'd like to say?
2: Um, No, I just want, well, I guess there is. I just want to let you know that, um, you know, if you're holding on to your cape, right, so many moms think that it's just a normal part of being a mom is having to do it all and do all the things. And, you know, that it's that sacrifice mentality of thinking that you have to put everybody above your yourself and, you know, not live your dreams until you're 18 until your youngest is 18 and all of that. But it's not so there is so much life to be lived. And it really does matter if you're, you know, holding on to that cape or letting it go. And I encourage you to Come join the group, learn how to hang up your cape, quiet the inner mean girl, and really live your best life because your family deserves, your family deserves you to be your best. Excellent.
0: Well, we are out of time and need to wrap up, but this has been such a fun conversation with you, Ani. We want to thank you for sharing your wisdom and your actionable tips, which that's why I love so much about this show is that you can listen and walk away with, here's how I get to change today, right? Um, if you would like more information about Ani's work, her website is momswithoutcapes.com. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram at momswithoutcapes, and we'll put all her links and handles in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening today. If you liked our show, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you'd rather watch us, we are on YouTube and you can find us on every single social media channel, including TikTok at The Brainy Moms. So look, until next time, we know that you're busy moms and we're busy moms. So we're out. Have a great week. Thank you.